Tough times don't last, but tough people do. AC Green said that, and I'm saying this. Welcome to High and Low. Good day and good night. Welcome to the High and Low Basketball Show. Thank you for joining me. This is episode number 100 and Iron Man, a.k.a. episode number 145. Uh, The original Iron Man, A.C. Green, wore the number 45 while playing alongside Magic Johnson and their Showtime Lakers, where he won three chips. Uh, A.C. Green wasn't a perennial all-star, but he was a dependable glue guy. You know, a team could depend on AC to be available for every game, literally. He played in 1,192 consecutive games, a record that uh, may never be broken with the amount of load management we see in the league these days. Um, AC Green only missed eight games in his entire career, which is why they call him Iron Man. Uh, they, They just don't make him like AC anymore. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the other streak uh, AC is widely known for. He was and still is a devout Christian. Claimed that he had never uh, had any relations during his entire career. Did you hear that? Relations. You know, you know the type of relation I'm talking about. Uh, no smoking or alcoholic consumption uh, during his playing career as well. That's quite a streak. Uh, according to A.C. Green, he retired a virgin bachelor. What did you say? His words. Uh, that might be more impressive than Jordan's six titles and LeBron's all-time scoring record, just to be honest with you. Uh, anyway, my name is Ike Amechi, and around here, we live by a principle governed by the high and low lives of the world, which means we talk about basketball, especially and specifically the NBA, and we talk about it at any time, anywhere, north, south, east, west, high and low. This week on the show, I'm editorializing. Yeah, there are two players that need to be addressed on this here episode. Um, and I'll be sharing my opinions on both of them, both of them uninterrupted. Uh, I'm also adding another song to the High and Low NBA soundtrack. Thank you so much! Uh, because High and Low is synonymous with music. Uh, if you've never listened to any of our music episodes, then this will be a small sample of that. Uh, you don't want to miss that. Stay tuned for it. Another week, another episode, more NBA, some more high and low. This week in NBA history. Do you know what happened? On February 27th, 1996, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls defeated Kevin Garnett and the Minnesota Timberwolves 120 to 99 at the United Center in Chicago. This was a hungry Bulls squad that had been bounced out of the second round of the playoffs the year before with a rusty just out of retirement Michael Jordan they came into this 95-96 season looking to claim back the crown with Jordan Pippen uh, newly acquired Dennis Rodman they had Tony Kukoc Ron Harper and the list goes on they manhandled this young Wolves team and improved to 50 and 6 reaching 50 wins with the fewest losses in a season of any major professional sports team that includes the NBA, NHL, NFL, and Major League Baseball. Uh, This Bulls team would go on to win 72 games, breaking the Lakers record set in 1972, uh, a talent-laden Lakers roster that featured the original big three, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, and Gail Goodrich, plus Wilt Chamberlain, who uh, 
got his second chip with this team. Uh, that team would, of course, finish with 69 wins plus the championship. Um, and in a similar fashion, the Bulls would set the record and go on to win the title in 1996. Uh, their fourth and first of their second three-peat. It's amazing to say that. First of their second three-peat. The record was eventually broken by the Golden State Warriors in 2016 when they would win 73 games. Everyone tuned in for the 73rd win, but only after watching Kobe score 60 points in his final NBA game. And we won't talk about how that season ended for the Golden State Warriors. Um, anyway, just want to quickly loop back to the Minnesota squad. This was uh, year one for KG in Minnesota back in 95-96. Uh, he would spend the next 12 seasons in a Wolves uniform, seven straight first-round exits. That's right, seven straight first-round exits, one trip to the Western Conference Finals in 04 uh, when KG was paired with Sam Cassell and Latrell Sprewell and uh, some guy named Wally Zerbiak. I dare you to spell Wally Zerbiak's name. I dare you. Uh, 58 wins that season. And again, a trip to the Western Conference Finals versus Kobe and Shaq-led Lakers squad where they would lose in six games. Honestly, it's sad to think of how many more rings KG would have had if he just played somewhere else. I mean, it's okay. KG was loyal. He's loyal. It's the same thing I say to, to Steven about Damian Lillard. KG ended up winning a ring in Boston anyway, so it's all good. Anyway, that's a little something for the NBA history nerds. Things are certainly happening in the NBA today, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about something important. I have a question from Aleem in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, his question is this. Last year, you did an episode about the worst players in the NBA, which was great. Uh, what about the worst team? What's the worst team in the NBA? So, first of all, thank you for your question, Aleem. Great question. Uh, when we did the worst player episode, we looked at the stats, like advanced stats. It wasn't just about the eye test. We just wanted to avoid getting into, you know, that subjective chatter. You know, Stephen would immediately pick Damon Lillard. Uh, Hugo would pick anyone on the Lakers. So, I don't know. I think the same approach could be used here. Uh, in fact, I want to bring this question back when when Mitch, Hugo, or Stephen are, are on the show. Uh, but for now, I can answer this way. If I look at the record since 2000, the five worst teams, just looking this up, starting with number five, will be the Hawks, the Wolves at four, the Wizards at three, the Hornets at two, and then the worst, the team that's at the bottom with 804 wins to 1,100 losses would be the New York Knicks. Amazing. I don't have other words, you know, uh, but I'm not surprised he's capable of doing 804 and 1,100. That's that's a terrible record. Surprisingly, as I don't see OKC here. As much as Hugo likes to jump on OKC, they are nowhere near the bottom. In fact, they have a winning record since 2000, 11th best in the NBA. Surprise, surprise. If we look at the on-the-court stats, like defensive rating, just as an example, uh, Sacramento creeps it. They have the highest stat with 108.8, followed by Minnesota, Washington, New York, 
and New Orleans. That rounds out your five. So three of those teams landed in the bottom five of our worst record stats. So just keep a let's keep an eye on that. Um, looking at worst offensive rating since 2000, that would go to Chicago. Oof, uh, with 104.4, followed by the Hornets, the Sixers, the Magic, and Brooklyn. Okay, so the Hornets showed up again. Let's keep an eye on that. Uh, revenue. Revenue would be another key indicator. Uh, bottom five teams in revenue last year. Let's just look at last year. We got Memphis at five, Minnesota at four, Hornets at three, uh, New Orleans at two, and Indiana at one. Or, well, the absolute bottom in generating revenue last year. And going back to the business of basketball episode where I talked about team valuations, I focused on the most valuable teams in the league, uh, the least valuable, still valuable by any measure, really. Let's go with the bottom five. So at 26, Indiana, Charlotte at 27, Minnesota at 28, Memphis at 29, and New Orleans is at the bottom, valued at $1.6 billion. Memphis is valued at $1.65 billion, by the way. Um, Surprised to see Memphis down there. They get a lot of hype. A lot of attention these days, but I guess it's not enough. Um, so looking at all these stats, Charlotte and Minnesota have landed in the bottom five on almost every stat I mentioned. Uh, so I'll leave Charlotte and Minnesota there and you could take your pick. We'll, we'll definitely revisit this one in a future episode. Uh, but again, great question, Aleem. Appreciate it. Just a quick reminder to high and low lives. If you want to leave a question for us to answer on the show, just drop a DM on TikTok at more high and low and Instagram at get high and low links are in the show note. feels like a good time for us to take a break though. Um, so when we come back, we're going to talk about those two players. Okay. We'll be right back with more high and low. This moment is brought to you by high and low listeners sponsored by Russell Westbrook's Los Angeles realtor and John Wall's feelings of regret. (laughs) This week, we asked you to share your top five dynamic duos in the NBA. Uh, We heard from Shepard in Wilmington, North Carolina, shared his list from five to one, uh, starting with Joel Embiid and James Harden in Philly. Uh, Number four, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving in Dallas. Number three, is Kevin Durant, KD, and Devin Booker up in Phoenix, and uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray landing at that two spot, and the number one dynamic duo, according to Shepard, is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in Boston. Wow. So I'm just seeing that CP3 is being completely disregarded here, (laughs) and they're just calling KD and Devin Booker a dynamic duo anyway great list Shepard I appreciate your picks this week thank you now let's get back to high and low and we are back I'm Ike Amechi and you're listening to the high and low basketball show Uh, a couple weeks ago Biggums we all know Biggums Biggums in Thousand Oaks California love Thousand Oaks California well I love the way it sounds i have to visit to really get a sense of what it's really like anyway i digress biggums in thousand oaks california he asked a question about russell westbrook 
but it pertained to Russ's value to the Lakers. Uh, and knowing that Russ would make it past the trade deadline, I thought I'd just shelve the question. But I feel like it's a good, it's still a good time to talk about the conundrum that is Russell Westbrook. Um, he kind of survived the trade deadline. He left L.A., but he stayed in L.A. because he's playing for the Clippers now alongside his former OKC running mate, Paul George, uh, and the guy that wanted to play next to to Russ back in 2019. I mean, it's rumored. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, maybe that was part of his uh, strategy, you know, is to demand uh, the impossible. You know, this was the potential trio that the Raptors were faced with when making attempts to keep Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. Masai Ujiri was high on the idea of picking up Paul George from OKC, but Sam Presti wouldn't let uh, Paul George go alone. Uh, He had Russ attached in that deal, so no deal. No deal. And that's been the story of Russ since he left OKC back in 2019, man. It's like some people like it in theory, but when it comes to just actually doing it, no deal. You know, he's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, He's at the tail end of his career. We all remember peak Russ, but that's all we really have at this point. You know, memories. Westbrook signed a five-year, $205 million extension running from 2018, 2019 through 2022, 2023 with a uh, player option in his final year. He signed that extension in OKC, and he's carried that albatross of a contract to four different teams since then. I mean, he's making $47 million this year, which is only second to Steph Curry's $48 million. And when you compare him to other players in that price range, like say, for example, let's look at the top five, you can see why the expectations are unreasonably high. Like after Steph and Westbrook, you have LeBron, uh, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal. Well, Bradley Beal, I don't know. He's just collecting checks at this point. So we'll ignore Bradley Beal. By the way, uh, just looking at these numbers, man, I don't know how the Clippers can justify taking on Westbrook's contract when they're paying Kawhi and PG $42 million a piece this season. That's $131 million on three players. And both Kawhi and PG are in the top 10 in terms of uh, player salaries this year. But anyway, that's for another day, another episode. This season, Russell Westbrook is averaging 15.9 points per game, 7.5 assists per game, 6.2 rebounds per game in 28.7 minutes. And he's been coming off the bench, which is good. That's good. On the surface, I would applaud these numbers coming from a six-man, but therein lies the problem. Russ earns top-tier money and the memory of his years as a top tier player. I don't know. They kind of linger in the air like a, like a plume of vinyl chloride floating over the great lakes. What's things here? What's that smell? Is that you? No, sir. What? Uh, Many people judge Russ based on his best years, but we, we should expect him to do what he's capable of doing in his 15th season. This, you know, he's not going to be the difference maker on a contender. And to be honest, I really don't think he ever was. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Um, you know, he could certainly play a key role on a championship level team. You know, Russ is a great passer, for example. You know, he could have been so much more effective with better teams if he just used that passing in a pick and roll, maybe play a little two-man game with with another wing. But he just he never made the adjustment. 
So he wore out his welcome quickly with the style of play that he was used to, the style of play that we watched him implement, if you want to use that word, every single season with diminishing returns. So as part of a Clipper squad with sights on a title, Russ could be effective. I think if, you know, by pushing the pace, you know, setting up Kawhi and PG with easy looks, I think Russ could be effective. And you know he can do it. Um, I'll stay optimistic about Russ in uh, in Clipperland. You know, he made some adjustments playing next to LeBron and AD, um, but there'll be less pressure on the other side because it's, it's the Clippers. No one expects the Clippers to win a title because the Clippers gone clip, as they say. But anyway, let's take a quick break. I have one more player to talk about after this message. I am back. I'm Ike Amechi. This is High and Low. We're going to talk about Nicole Jokic just for just for a little bit, just for a few minutes here. Uh, two-time MVP and projected to win a third straight in a season where he's averaging a triple-double, leading his Nuggets to the best record in the West. I don't know if you got a chance to look at the ESPN straw poll or the MVP straw poll, uh, but the projections are real. He's doing all the things we said he needed to do to win a third straight. Whatever your feelings about the Joker may be, can't deny his talent, can't deny his skill. He's the most skilled big we've ever seen. He's the best passer in the league. He's put together the statistical seasons that rank among the best in league history. Now he's winning. Denver is a legitimate contender. This is where Jokic gets the real pressure, though. This is where it starts. If Nikola Jokic wins a third straight MVP, he'd be sitting in elite company. And I think we've mentioned it on the podcast before. Only two players have been able to win three straight, the last of which was Larry Bird. The other person was Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt won a title with Philly in 67 in the middle of his MVP run. I think that was in his second MVP season. Bird won two titles during his three straight MVPs. He won a title in his first MVP season. And in his third MVP season, Jokic and the Nuggets, let's just compare. They were swept by the Suns in the second round in 2021, Jokic's first MVP season. They lost in five in the first round to the Dubs, the eventual champs last season. That's Jokic's second MVP season. If Nikola Jokic wins that trophy for a third time, he has to win the title. Forget making it to the finals. Forget that. He has to win. And if he doesn't, then, I don't know, there will be an obscene amount of pressure on him and the Nuggets and the Denver Nuggets organization. There will be a lot of pressure on both to win a title next season. Individual accolades are nice, but they come with a price. They come with expectations, especially MVPs. You must win. And we're at a point right now where he has to win. He and the Nuggets have to show and prove or else Jokic becomes fodder for the doubters, the naysayers, the people who thought Giannis should have won last year or Joel Embiid should have won a year before. And similar to Russell Westbrook and his heavy contract, the distinction of being named the NBA's most valuable player comes with an expectation that has to be met or it will rain criticism. So far, 
Jokic is on the right track this season. The Nuggets are looking strong. Jamal Murray is back to form. MPJ is elite. Absolutely not. Aaron Gordon is having an all-star season. He was definitely snubbed. I'm sure he'd take a championship ring over an all-star ring any day. Um, but they're, they're looking great. And we'll circle back come June and see where we're at. Alright guys, what's next? Uh, before we wrap up, I want to add another song to the high and low NBA soundtrack. Thought I forgot. No, I didn't. Uh, in case you have no idea what I'm talking about, we've had a couple of music-heavy episodes where we picked songs that were applicable to NBA storylines or players or teams. Um, I'll be honest, they've they've been some of my favorite episodes to do. Uh, so listen, I came across a song this week that uh, that I had to bring to the show. I couldn't wait for another soundtrack episode uh this song is called two tens by corday and anderson pack um of course anderson pack is one of my favorite all-around artists he can rap he can sing write produce play the drums anything man he's one half of no worries another favorite group of mine uh with uh, knowledge anyway this track two tens was produced by j cole which is interesting because Corday had a beef with J. Cole back in 2019. Uh, he put out a diss track called Old Ninjas, except he didn't use the word ninja. <laughs> uh, so it's good to see that they let bygones be bygones, so to speak. Um, the song is basically about two confident friends in the club. They know who they are, uh, what they can do, who they can pull. They function or they think they function at like the highest level. Uh, they rate themselves as tens. Uh, Pack and Corday more so pack, in my opinion, are two artists that really do perform at a high level. You know, two singular forces that have come together for this particular moment to become a dynamic duo. Yeah. Okay, two friends and they both tens looking nice. Too bent, I should call it quits, but I'm not. No chances, we all dance in the uh, So I heard this track and instantly thought of another dynamic duo, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic in Dallas. These are two stars who have performed at a high level. Luca is more like Anderson Pack, in my opinion. He's been on his game, having an MVP-worthy season, putting up ridiculous numbers. Kyrie is in that core day spot, very competent, and at times, incredible talent. And when you bring them together, well, the results can be great, like two tens. Uh, will the results be great in Dallas? It's yet to be seen. We'll see. We can revisit that in June. What? Anyway, that brings us to the end of this episode of High and Low. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Subscribe to High and Low anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, make us a part of your weekly routine. You know where to find us. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Links are all in the show notes. Uh, once again, music is by Live of the Enjoy Music Group. That's the music you listen to right now. Uh, you can find live on Twitter and on Instagram at L-Y-V-E. Additional music is by Sonny Rockwell of The Goodness. Can't find that guy anywhere. <laughs> uh, sound design is by Vaughn August. This is a Vaughn Abraham podcast, just in case you didn't know. I'm Ike Amechi. Thank you for listening to High and Low, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, 